The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play. Off to the races. Touchdown. Oh, he's done it again. Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Well, we had two top 12 wide receivers in full PPR. One of them was top five. Jamar Chase was outstanding. Jalen Waddle, huge season for him. He wasn't top 12 in non-PPR, half PPR, but he did make the cut in full PPR. Other than that, it was a little bit disappointing for the rookie wide receivers, but we do see a lot of promise and a lot of potential. Welcome to the show on this Monday, getting a new week started, almost getting a new month started. I'm Adam with Jamie. What's up, Jamie? How are we doing? What's up, buddy? It's good to have you back. Yes, it's good to be back. Thank you for holding down the fort. Appreciate that on Thursday's show. I love talking about the young running backs. I missed that opportunity, but get to talk about the young wide receivers. And uh, three of them went over 900 yards, which is always a good thing. But it did take 17 games for Devontae Smith to do that. I do have some trivia I'd like to start with if you're if you're interested. Absolutely. Okay, it's un- I'm calling it 2021 rookie wide receiver unconfirmed trivia. And that means I don't think a game that you would do. Yeah, I I don't know if these answers are true or correct, but we'll we'll try anyway. Okay, here we go. Um, Of these four, this one's definitely correct. Of these four, who had the highest percentage of his team's receiving yards? Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, or Amandra St. Brown? Who had the highest percentage of his team's receiving yards? I'm going to go with Amandra St. Brown. You, sir are incorrect. I have to get the very mean and loud wrong buzzer up to make you feel well, then my, my The one I was torn on was Devontae Smith. You know, it was a kind of, I thought it was going to be Devontae Smith. It was actually Jamar Chase. He, he ran away with it. He had 30% wow. of his team's receiving yards. The others were close. Waddle, 25.8%. Devontae Smith, 25.6%. St. Brown, 23.4%. Okay, this one I think is right. But... <laughs> But let's see. How many rookie wide... Take your time on this one. How many rookie wide receivers led their team in receiving yards? How many rookie wide receivers led their team in receiving yards? Uh, I'm going to say four. Okay, who do you think? Elijah Moore. Yeah. Monroe Brown. How did you get Elijah Moore? He had like 500 yards. Yes, he led the team. Monroe St. Brown. Mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, oh no, five. Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith. Hey, good job. Yes, five. I was, it was stunning to see Elijah Moore led the Jets in receiving, but he did, and St. Brown as well. 
Okay, Jamar Chase had a 201-yard game and a 266-yard game. Which rookie had the next most yards in a single game? I should say I'm not sure about this one, but I think I got it. Um, was it Waddle? No. Elijah Moore? No. Mara St. Brown? No. Single game. Uh, Come on, huh? you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be so mad at yourself. Who was it? Kadarius Tony. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot about him. Right, that's got to be right. 189 yards. Yeah. All right, two more. Who had more 80-yard games, 80-yard receiving? Rashad Bateman or Devontae Smith? Or was it a tie? It was a tie. It was a tie, correct. They both had three. And true or false, Josh Palmer caught a touchdown in all three games in which he played 60% or more of the snaps. True. It is true. I thought that was, that's one of my favorite stats. He played one game without Keenan Allen, he caught a touchdown. One game without Mike Williams, caught a touchdown. And Yeah, I know you do. I know you're excited about him. Um, so I did a, a Twitter poll here as we'll run through these guys, uh, these rookies now, sophomore wide receivers. Looking at the 2021 rookies, we're going to put Chase and Waddle as the top two in next season's fantasy rankings. Who should be wide receiver three? And I know from talking to you yesterday on FFT and five, you're, you're torn between St. Brown, Smith, and Elijah Moore. Early, early poll results, 130 votes. Devontae Smith, 38.5%. St. Brown, 31.5%. Elijah Moore, 24.6%. Other, 5.4%. Where are you? Who's number three in this class behind Chase and Waddle? Right now, it's St. Brown for me. Um, as I told you, like you said, FFT and five, that I want to see, obviously, what the offseason brings for you know, all three of these guys, because they all could be facing some significant changes. You know, if the Lions and the Jets bring in other receivers, uh, that could certainly change some things. I think we expect the Lions to bring at least one more guy. The Jets could potentially as well. Um, and for the Eagles, you know, is it going to be two things? Who's the quarterback? Uh, at this point, it's seemingly going to be Jalen Hurts, but you never know if they get into the Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or maybe even Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. And then the other part of it is um, philosophically, you know, what are they going to do? Is it going to be more of Nick Sirianni just saying we're going to run, run and run some more? And then you're going to see, you know, minimal targets for Devontae Smith. He could still be successful with those minimal targets. But that's the concern because he was trending in the right direction at the start of the season when they were throwing the ball a lot more. And then he started to tail off and was very frustrating as the season unfolded. So love the potential for Devontae Smith. Not a surprise that he's winning the poll. Uh, hopefully he's going to be the third guy because of where a lot of fantasy managers drafted him in dynasty leagues and keeper leagues and whatnot. Uh, but you got to be a little bit concerned about where the upside lies if this offense continues in the path that it was headed at the middle to the end of last season. Yeah. Last in the NFL and pass attempts. Uh, that's just, that's tough to overcome. And uh, let me tell you, uh, let me ask you if this matters to you when you look at Elijah Moore, who really flashed his last six games of the season. I'll give you the numbers real quick. Last six games. You got to put that in context, though. Not the last six games of, of his season. season. His last six his games. His season, yeah. Sorry. Uh, uh, 34 catches, 459 yards, five touchdowns on 51 targets. That's a 17-game pace of 96 catches, 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns on 144 targets. It's outstanding, especially when you consider he faced three teams that were top 10 against wide receivers, two teams that were top three, the Bills and the Eagles. Uh, he did well enough against both of them. He only faced one team that was an easy matchup. And um, this, though, I want to get your thoughts. In that stretch, or basically all season, 
Elijah Moore did not have any good games with both Zach Wilson and Corey Davis. Most of his good games came without Wilson. And the Jets quarterbacks in the four games that Elijah, Elijah Moore went off and Zach Wilson missed, they threw 47 times per game for 356 yards per game. So great passing numbers. Um, then Moore came back and or uh, sorry, then Wilson came back and was awful, right? Uh, and then Corey Davis was missed most of that time too. So I don't know. Does that matter to you at all? I mean, a little bit. You know, it's uh, it's kind of like what we talked about with the running backs. You know, Michael Carter's best games came without Zach Wilson on the field as well. You know, so uh, I I jokingly posed the question I think to Chris Towers. Um, I asked them each a key question about each running back situation, and I said, should the Jets? go with Mike White as their quarterback, <laughs> you know, because he was good for the fantasy assets there. At least the non-Zach Wilson quarterbacks were good for the fantasy assets there. We didn't see this Jets offense as a whole really for the majority of the season because Elijah Moore missed some time earlier in the year and Corey Davis, then he missed time, and then Michael Carter missed time, and then Zach Wilson missed time. That's their four key components there when you talk about the receiving core and the running backs and the quarterback. So I'm hopeful that Zach Wilson takes that next step, that Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson get on the same page. That's the duo that we're going to see for – you know, hopefully many years to come, if in fact they're good. Uh, Corey Davis is not necessarily a long-term solution there for the Jets, at least not in my opinion. So we'll see. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful for Elijah Moore. You know, he was one of my favorite guys coming out of this class. Uh, I know Dave and Heath had, you know, similar feelings as well. You know, I'll go back to the uh, story that I think it was in The Athletic that he wrote on his mirror. You know, I always think of uh, Rocky with this, but he wrote on his mirror uh, the name of the five guys that were drafted ahead of him. And he looked at that every day. You know, I think of the picture, you know, that Apollo used to put a Rocky and the oh, yeah. Rocky did of, of Drago. Um, you know, so uh, those kind of, you know, quirky things always catch my eye. Uh, but in any event, I, I, I'm excited for Elijah Moore, which is why I say I go back and forth between him and, and St. Brown with Smith right now in the third spot of the three that you mentioned. Okay. How good can Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle be? What are their ceilings? I mean, I hate to think that we've seen their ceilings, but it's, it's uh, you know, you've, you've seen certainly the highs of what Jamar Chase can be. You referenced it, the two 200-yard games. I mean, he's just such a difference maker. And as the season went on, you know, it wasn't just the plays down the field. You know, we started to see him do other things. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty remarkable when you think he took a year off of football and was still that good. Mm-hmm. And so um, the sky's the limit for him to be, you know, the number one wide receiver, I think, in fantasy and, and maybe for many years to come because he's with his quarterback who – is also, uh, also trending in the right direction. So Jamar Chase can be an absolute star. And then for Waddle, I think, you know, the addition of Mike McDaniel and the system that they're going to put in, you know, you, you've talked about this a lot, Adam. We, we've mentioned this uh, with the coaching hire. Um, yards after catch, so big in San Francisco. And so will he help and will Tua Tungabailoa uh, also help, you know, just getting Jalen Waddle in space? You know, does he have the potential maybe to be like a Debo Samuel in terms of getting some touches in the backfield as well? Um, you know, I, I know you talked about this a lot. Uh, and obviously anybody who watched Dylan Wall in Alabama, the explosiveness, we really didn't see that with the Dolphins because of how they used him. And so uh, better offensive line, more time for Tua to throw, uh, getting, you know, Waddle, just different opportunities, different uh, ways to get the ball in his hands. Uh, he's a top 10 guy for me coming in in PPR, you know, top 15 and non-PPR. I love the upside, love the potential. So uh, both those guys, I think, could be, you know, really special talents. Chase could be the number one receiver to answer your question in terms of his ceiling. And then for Waddle, I think he could be maybe, you know, top eight, top six, top five, even, you know, if things are really great, right in PPR. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, so that's kind of what I wanted to get. You think he could be top, Waddle could be top five, Chase could be number one. It's weird. It's Chase just had 1,455 yards and 13 touchdowns. He ended up as wide receiver five. 
Now, he could definitely be better than Debo because Debo had all that rushing production. Um, you know, he, he was not better than Cup, who had this historic season with 1,947 yards. He was not better than Adams, who played one fewer game than Chase, although Chase barely played in Week 18. Uh, still had more yards than Chase, but fewer touchdowns. He was not better than Justin Jefferson. The big thing that you got to see the increase in, and you probably will, is catches. It's hard for a rookie to have 81 catches, which is what Jamar Chase had, but Justin Jefferson had around that in his rookie year. He was up to 108 in an extra game uh, in his second year. You'll see more catches. You'll see more PPR production from that standpoint. Uh, obviously, Chase, the pedigree, the rookie production, it's incredible. And yeah, his wide receiver one is not out of the question. Where do you have him ranked overall at wide receiver right now? He's fourth right now, but you know, Devontae Adams situation is clearly pending. So if Adams ends up A, with a bad quarterback in Green Bay, obviously if Rodgers leaves and it's Jordan Love or somebody else, B, if he goes someplace else as a free agent, doesn't have the same type of quarterback situation or offensive situation and, you know, goes uh, goes the route that we're not hoping to see, you know, with, with uh, you know, just a complete downturn and in, in, in unbelievable production for him, then he'll move up. Um, I do think, you know, there was the story coming out of Minnesota last week. I think it was after we did our show, maybe it was Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon of um, the new offensive coordinator there who's escaping me. I apologize. Uh, it's going to be on Kevin O'Connell's staff saying that they're not going to be tied to a run first team. They're going to be more balanced. And he, you know, he said, they're not getting away from the run. This isn't a uh, bad situation necessarily for Dalvin Cook because of what his role will be in the passing game, but could really just unleash Justin Jefferson. And I think that's the decision a lot of people have to make is Jefferson versus Chase. Uh, for me, it's Jefferson still, uh, but Chase could easily go past him for sure. And I think we could see a situation on a lot of people's draft boards if Adams Again, bad situation, cup, and then those two guys, Jefferson Chase, two and three in some some order. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I don't know how you Wes Phillips is a household name. I didn't yes. have I didn't Google it. Uh, he's just you know it's just something that everybody knows now. Wes Phillips is now the Vikings' offensive coordinator. Uh, uh, if anyone's interested, I don't know that that you will. Well, you might be interested. It might not make a difference to you though. I went back the last six seasons and I looked at. All of the instances of two wide receivers on the same team finishing in the top 15 in PPR. There were 11 instances of teammates finishing top 15 in full PPR in the same season. None of them finished as wide receiver one. Now, that's in full PPR. It did happen in non-PPR. Devontae Adams, six years ago, he was the best one that I found. Devontae Adams was wide receiver two in full PPR, wide receiver one. No, no, it wasn't Adams. It was Nelson. And Adams was wide receiver 10. Uh, Jordy Nelson was wide receiver 2 in non-PPR, wide receiver 1 in full PPR. Adams was wide receiver 10. Other than that, the highest finished finish I found for a wide receiver who had a, a teammate finish top 15 was wide receiver 4 for Cooper Cup in 2019, which was not a great year for receivers, as I recall. Um, and so they're out of 11... Only one finished higher than fourth. And why am I bringing that up? Because there's, there is T. Higgins, who a lot, I think a lot of people are going to have in the top 15. It's just something to keep in mind. I, but it probably doesn't matter with Chase. He's that good. Right. Um, all right. Who has the most upside in this class other than Jamar Chase? Is it is it easily Waddle? I think so. But I, I you know just to go a different route, since we know those are going to be the first two drafted, I think you can look at, You know, a lot of scenarios, but I I guess the one that makes the most sense to me would be Elijah Moore, just because we saw that sample size of what he could be. And and again, I was excited about him coming into the season. Um, 
look, Amara St. Brown, if they don't change things dramatically and you get that over, you know, a, a full season, you know, clearly he was, he was turning into something pretty special. Uh, obviously fantasy managers, you know, recognize that. And uh, you know how I felt about him coming out last, uh, last season, you know, once we got past the draft, he was kind of the under the radar guy of the non obvious ones that I was looking at just because of his landing spot, you know, it really wasn't anything more than that, that he went to a situation in Detroit that they didn't have a lot of talent. And it's why we like, you know, TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift last year. And it played itself out, you know, for, you know, at least two of those guys. And so Amara St. Brown, if he does that, my gosh, you know, he's going to be um, a star, you know, and, and could be a top 10 wide receiver. I don't expect him to, but uh, certainly can do that. So I think it's probably those four, you know, Chase, Waddle, Elijah Moore, and, and St. Brown. And then, you know, look, if the Eagles swing a trade for, let's just say it's Deshaun Watson and, okay, now we just don't have to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. Then maybe Devontae Smith gets unleashed and we know about his potential, what he was expected to do coming into the league. Yeah, I'm still going to take Smith just because I, I'm just going to buy into the pedigree. This, the, the answer is who has the most upside other than uh, Chase, the question is. And I guess you eliminated Waddle. He said that was the, that was the answer. I guess Waddle, have to give it to him. But I just look at the Eagles and, and maybe they just can't, run that type of offense again. I mean, right. Just look at the Ravens, right. And how things went so sideways for them and they became more of a passing team. Uh, the Vikings more of a passing team than we had seen in the past. So if that keeps happening, then, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sorry. I got distracted because we have, we have someone else coming on the show to join us. It's Dave, the utility backup guy. Hey, utility backup guy. Can you hear me? No, not yet. All right. I'm going to remove Dave for now. We'll get him back on. Uh, yeah, anyway, I just, I know he's going to, I know he's going to dominate targets for the Eagles. I think that's what it is for me. And I just want to see, I just want to see Devontae Smith get unleashed a little bit. I think, you know, based on, if you want a piece of this class and the upside, he's the best value. You know, you could say Rashad Bateman, you could say Rondell Moore. I, I certainly don't, I uh, wouldn't disagree on that. But, you know, he, Smith is going to be drafted fifth most likely of that group it's going to be behind chase behind waddle behind more and behind st brown hmm. hey, dave you there no not yet maybe <laughs> this is fun for the youtube audience uh this is like uh marla hooch getting in and out of the batter's box <laughs> who might have the most downside just based on where they'll be drafted i mean the obvious answer is chase um i, no. I think probably the next one Huh? He's the, he's got no downside, dude. He's got well, injury, injury to Burrow. Uh, forget injury. Injury aside, who's got the most downside? And yeah, yes, I, mean, I, I just said he has no downside. That is a dangerous comment to make, but go ahead. Probably it's St. Brown, you know, because again, he was so fantastic at the end of the season. And I mean, you know, the Lions could draft somebody day two, day three, and you're saying, okay, not going to be much of an impact. And then he has the Amon Ross St. Brown factor, you know, or they bring in, you know, uh, um, I, I'm, I'm not saying this because I don't think there's going to be a reunion of Marvin Jones in Detroit, but a Marvin Jones type of guy, you know, that type of, you know, second tier free agent type of guy, you know, not like an Allen Robinson or somebody who's had, you know, really significant success, but someone who's had some success and can come in and then just, you know, fall in line with, you know, Jared Goff and, and those two start to connect and Hawkinson back and Swift, you know, playing because obviously a lot of St. Brown's production came when those two guys were dealing with injuries. So, you know, I think you're going to see him probably drafted, you know, maybe around four in PPR, you know, probably no later than round five in both formats or all formats, uh, maybe around six, you know, so a top six round pick, you know, if he doesn't deliver based on those expectations, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. 
it's terrifying if you have to if I had to take Amano St. Brown in round four in full PPR, I just couldn't do it. I just think that at wide receiver, right, you really want to attach yourself to good offenses, at least with your early picks. And that's the danger. I mean, you just talked about it, but it, I mean that's just scares me for round four pick. I think, you know, if you're taking him in round four, it's, you know, we're going to start to see, I think, um, even more of a shift of the modified RB drafting, you know, of one running back and then, you know, probably people leaning heavy receivers. So once you get into, you know, that number three receiver range, that's going to potentially be in round four for a lot of teams, a lot of leagues. Okay, so I've given this stat before. I'll give it again. This is just looking at top 12 wide receivers. So you can say, well... I'm not drafting him in round four to be a top 12 wide receiver. That might be more like wide receiver 18 or 20. But I think if you draft somebody in round four, you at least want to have the hope that he can be a top 12 receiver. Over the last six seasons, 72 wide receivers have finished top 12 in PPR. Only 11 of them were on offenses that ranked 20th or worse in scoring. That's 15% of top 12 wide receivers were on offenses that were 20th or worse in scoring in the last six seasons. Um, okay, so let's go to some more questions here. Give me a sleeper in this class, a sleeper. I mean, Josh Palmer for me, you know, especially if Mike Williams is gone. You mentioned it, you know, when his playing time was up, the touchdowns were there. Uh, obviously, you're attaching yourself to a good offense because of the great quarterback that they have in Justin Herbert. Uh, he's not going to do the exact same things that Mike Williams did, but, you know, he's not going to see, you know, uh, certainly the focal point of the coverage when you have a guy like Austin Eckler and a guy like Keenan Allen and whatever else they do, you know, to surround this. Uh, this group, you know, maybe an upgraded tight end over Jared Cook. So I just like the opportunity for him again. It's just something that I'll always look for is a guy stepping into a good situation with a good quarterback and a good system. And I think Josh Palmer showed you some things last year when he had that opportunity. Uh, I think he'll continue to build on that. So a guy, another guy that I liked, you know, just not as uh, highly as let's say like St. Brown or Elijah Moore, but uh, in a really good spot because of the opportunity if Mike Williams is gone and nobody of significance is brought back in return. Okay. Josh Palmer is your sleeper. Who's a breakout? I'll go back to Elijah Moore. You know, just, uh, again, the sample size was was impressive. Uh, hopefully, Zach Wilson continues to grow with him and, and those two get on the same page, and the rapport is excellent. Uh, but, you know, just ton of potential, ton of opportunity, uh, and should easily be the number one receiver on his offense, even with Corey Davis still there. Bust. I hate to say it, but it's it's probably Chase. You know, I mean, if you're going to look at it, uh, I agree with everything you say. He, he seems foolproof, but, you know, what if Higgins is better? What if Boyd still has, you know, a lot to offer? What if, you know, Joe Burrow spreads the ball around a little bit more? What if Heath's, you know, uh, prediction about the Bengals that they are too efficient and we don't see a lot of the big plays for Jamar Chase? So it's just based on draft capital. I would, I'm taking Chase in the first round. I'm not, I'm not scared of it, but he's, he's the guy, you know, I guess the next guy would be clearly St. Brown, you know, just based on everything that we talked about. But uh, those are the two, you know, based on just the capital that you're going to spend that would, you know, I think fall into that category. Yeah. And, and I think... I, you and I are not looking at Jamar Chase as a bust. Like, you and I are fine cool. taking it. I think most people are going to be fine taking him in the first round or early second round. St. Brown's going to make people nervous because it was only six games. It was incredible. Uh, but And also, I mean, you're talking about last year, this great... I don't know how much this is going to matter to people. It mattered differently to different people. You had this great, great class of wide receivers. You had three guys picked in the top 11, I believe. Uh, what was Smith? 11th, 10th, 11th, 12th, something like that. And 10th. Okay. Three guys in the top, right. The giants had 11, three in the top 10. And that was Justin Fields went 11 to the bears. Uh, you had two more in the first round. Then you had all these second round guys we liked and St. Brown was in the fourth round. So people might be a little nervous just buying into him depending on where he goes in fantasy drafts. Uh, but I think Devonte Smith could be a bust too. 
as much as I like think is huge upside. But if they do come out and run the same offense, he wasn't even a top 40 wide receiver last year. So I mean, if you told me right now they're going to run the same offense, they were going to be last in the NFL in pass attempts, or let's say 30th in pass attempts. I don't think I'd take Devontae Smith till round seven or something like that. If if you guaranteed me that. I don't I just don't know if he's getting drafted before that now anyway. You don't you know, think so? so? Maybe around six. You know, again, if it's a, a heavy, you know, wide receiver draft. I think people are just frustrated with it, you know, and 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 knowing that there's going to be um a lack of targets, a lack of big plays, a lack of well, I should say a lack of big plays, but a lack of um consistent production. And that's you know, not something that you're looking for. I just want to go back because I found the tweet from Mike Clay in regards to Mike Clay of ESPN does a great job of uh about Amon Ross St. Brown. So this is the list of players with eight-plus catches in five straight games going back to 1950. And the names that Amon Ross St. Brown is on the list with, Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, Travis Kelsey, Anquan Bolden, Wes Welker, Andre Johnson, Marvin Harrison twice, Isaac Bruce, Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson, and then TJ Husmanzada, Eric Moulds, and Moussin Muhammad. So yeah. Thomas Brown, Kelsey, <laughs> Welker, Johnson, <laughs> Bolden, Harrison, Bruce, Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson, just absolutely ridiculous that Amon Ross St. Brown is with those guys. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. And is Dave on that list? I didn't hear Dave Richard on that list. I heard Hushman Zada. That's enough for me. Oh, okay. Hey, Dave. Any list that's got Hushman Zada on it is a good list to be on. So Chris was supposed to be on the show today. He's unfortunately sick. So Dave is pinch hitting uh, late in the show. Would you like to play just one round of unconfirmed trivia? Sure. Okay. How I've many played this game before? How yeah. does this go? It's just trivia that I think I know the answer to. That I've been about sure. Yeah. Azer trivia. How many rookie wide receivers led their team in receiving yards? Jamie got this one right. I was very impressed. How many rookie wide receivers led their team in receiving yards? This past year? Yeah. Ever. Yeah, this past year. (laughs) Ever? That'd be a bigger number. Uh, Top of the dome guess is three. Top of the dome guess is (laughs) terrible. It's five. Would you believe? Elijah Moore led his team in receiving. Oh, wow. So did Chase. Cool. So did Waddle. So did Devontae Smith. So did Amonra St. Brown. Yeah. That's your five. Ah, four would have been a better guess. I never would have put Elijah in there. All right. So That's we've talked. Yeah, I know. It was crazy. I mean, it's for him to. My first guess. I know. It was your first guess. Wow. But he had, what did he have? Like 530 receiving yards? 538. All right, so the, the rest of this segment, I'm going to give you guys a wide receiver. I'm going to give you a name, and then you can just give me some quick thoughts on them, some guys that we haven't talked too much about. Say So far, we've talked enough about Chase, Waddle, Smith, and Elijah Moore for sure, and Amandra St. Brown. We'll try to cover the other guys. We're going to do that after we take a quick break right here on Fantasy Football Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. 
Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Time for some quick thoughts on these rookie, now sophomore, or soon-to-be sophomore wide receivers. All right, Dave, Kadarius Tony, go. Should be utilized more in a more creative offense in New York. And Jamie? Like him. Jamie? Kadarius Tony? Oh, uh, the next Stephon Diggs. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with Dave. You know, hopefully uh, Brian Dable unleashes him, uh, but more importantly, hopefully he stays healthy because I think if he's healthy, he'll produce. For sure. Kadarius Tony was 15th among wide receivers in missed tackles forced after the catch. And he did that with, I think, 39 catches. So he forced 12 missed tackles on 39 catches. Devontae Adams forced 13 missed tackles on 132 catches. Tyreek Hill forced 15 on 134 catches. That includes the postseason for both of those guys. Tony forced 12 on 39 catches, so he's very elusive. All right, next up, Dave. He Rash- that in the Saints game by himself. Probably. Uh, Rashad Bateman. He's the guy that I think the fantasy industry wants to like have as a breakout, but I, I have a feeling that this Ravens offense is going to look like it did back in 2020 and 2019, and he's someone I'm probably avoiding unless he falls in drafts. Uh, Marquise Brown goes and plays video games for a living, and Rashad Bateman uh-huh. becomes a startable fantasy wide receiver in all leagues. Rondale Moore, who also was very good at forcing missed tackles, uh, he was 12th among wide receivers and missed tackles forced on only 59 catches, I think, for Rondale Moore. Dave, Rondale Moore. Going to be a popular PPR and half PPR pick. Opportunity is Definitely possible because you know about Christian Kirk, A.J. Green. Don't know if they're going to be back in Arizona. Don't know who the running backs are going to be. Don't know if Zach Ertz is going to be there. Don't know who the quarterback's going to be either. But, it, <laughs> yeah, it'll probably be. Oh, we do now. <laughs> yeah, it seems like uh, it's going to be Kyler, yeah. Uh, it may. It would. Uh, they'd be dumb to move on from him at this point. Uh, I think he's got it. I think he's he might be worth taking ahead of Bateman in full PPR drafts right now. Jamie? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, he's going to be popular. I think, you know, well, I mean, look, they're, they're bringing in somebody or bringing back somebody. You know, they, they just can't go with the group that they have, especially Hopkins coming off an injury. But Rondell Moore's in a great spot. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of the copycat San Francisco, Debo Samuel, even, you know, you could throw Cordero Patterson in there, especially after the report of Arthur Blank wanting him back in, in Atlanta. Um, a lot of these teams are going to try and, I think, do these hybrid type of players, and Rondell Moore fits that bill. Yeah, you know, Rondell Moore, again, I, I don't know how much this stuff matters to you. By the way, he had 54 catches on 64 targets. His A dot was 1.4 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terrible. And in eight games, he played 14. In eight of them, he had a negative A dot. So he just wasn't... You, We didn't see him as really a wide receiver. We just saw him as a gimmick player. He had one game all year with an A dot higher than 5.3 yards. What's A dot? It's average depth of target. So... Basically, they were throwing him the ball at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage in, in most games. And in that one game, by the way, where he had five, uh, more than 5.3 yards uh, average depth of target, he only had four targets. So, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of that. He, he has shown us absolutely nothing. So, uh, you know, what does that make him? A uh, pick after round 10? I mean, does he go after pick 120? Is he before that? 
Today, he probably goes after that. If they don't address the receiver position significantly, he's going to go before them. All right, let's get some more names here. Terrace Marshall. What an absolute disaster he was. <laughs> absolute <laughs> disaster. Um, I hope that they realize DJ Moore should be in the slot and Terrence Marshall should be outside. They do too much of, and DJ Moore's been good, clearly. He's been very productive um, as an outside receiver, but he's just so good with the ball in his hands and would be so much better if he got more opportunities playing closer to the line of scrimmage and not necessarily having to just run down the field and make plays because it shows you what he can do while he's doing that. But I think he'd be an absolute stud if he was in the slot a little bit more. And then Terrace Marshall, much more of a big play receiver on the outside than he is in the slot. They tried to make him this big slot receiver, just didn't work. And so flip those two, give DJ Moore 190 targets, and we'll see how he does. Um, <laughs> but obviously Terrace Marshall, if he's going to be their slot receiver again, it's, in the, it's a complete failure. And we'll see if Robbie Anderson's part of the team too. Uh, I'll disagree a little bit. I think that Marshall and Moore should just they should rotate in and out of the slot. We've seen Marshall play well in the slot in college. I almost want to discount everything that we saw last year from Carolina and maybe like the last several years. They need a quarterback more than they need anything else. And when they do, I think we could see I think we could see multiple receivers really do well and I know that's not really saying a whole lot because 2 years ago multiple receivers did do very well in Carolina, but we all want DJ Moore to play great. We're all going to draft him higher than probably what where he should get drafted but it's with the hope that he sees uptick in red zone production maybe he plays a lot more in the slot and a little bit less outside marshall just needs to get in where he fits in and once he does i think he can push robbie off the field or they go to just more three receiver sets but to, to me they've got they got to get the o-line taken care of and they need a quarterback solution that's better than what they've had the last two years all right so other guys dwayne eskridge tutu atwell Diami Brown, Amari Rogers, Nico Collins, Anthony Schwartz, Des Fitzpatrick, all drafted ahead of Amonra St. Brown. And I don't know if there's any other deep sleepers that you guys like, but you know, yeah. Yep, that's one. Who? Nico's Nico yeah. Collins definitely has a shot to be a top two target getter for the Texans. Uh he's he's gonna be interesting. Big guy, physical guy, not a not a burner. But he's interesting. And then Anthony Schwartz could end up having a significant role for the Browns if they move on from Jarvis Landry and they don't do much to replace anybody in the receiving core. Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be popular. Schwartz could be right behind him. Could be a good late-round pick. Again, quarterback issue there. Quarterback issue in both places, but guy who might see more work than what anybody's really thinking about right now could end up being helpful at least to speculate on to begin the season. I think Diami Brown and, and your guy, Adam, mm-hmm. Amari Rogers, could be in good spots too. You know what I mean? We'll see what the Washington football, uh, Washington commander, excuse me, uh, what their uh, receiving core ends up looking like. You know, and I mean, you, you got to be hopeful that they do, they do the Debo Samuel route with Curtis Samuel because he was doing that before Debo Samuel was doing it in, in Carolina, just not the same success. Um, so if he's healthy, you know, clearly he's going to be a part of their, of their wide receiver core. But I think Diami Brown could also be, you know, either the two or the three, but if he's, you know, more of a traditional receiver than, than Curtis Samuel is, he's somebody that you should put on your radar with a late round pick. And then Amari Rogers, obviously, you know, if, if the Packers, they're most likely losing Valdez Gantling. We'll see if they lose Lazard. You know, obviously there's a chance they lose Devontae Adams. So we could be looking at a total overhaul of their receiving core and maybe a reset button on what their offense looks like. But uh, with a late round pick, Amari Rogers could be in a really good spot, even if it's Jordan Love or, you know, somebody of that, you know, caliber thrown in passes. Yeah, so let me uh, update everybody on our poll question of the day. 
Looking at the 2021 rookie wide receivers, we'll put Chase and Waddle as the top two in next season's fantasy rankings. Who should be wide receiver three? Very, very different results depending on the platform. Okay, it is it is very tight on Twitter. Amonra St. Brown has pulled ahead of Devontae Smith at 36.2%. Devontae Smith is at 35.4%. Elijah Moore, 25.2%. On Facebook, it is an Amonra St. Brown, I guess getting close to a landslide. He has 86 votes. Elijah Moore has 53 votes. And Devontae Smith has 32 votes. So Amonra St. Brown has... 54 more votes than Devontae Smith. So it's interesting. Dave, who's uh, number three for you in this class? It's Elijah Moore. I'm expecting him to be more of a full-time player for the Jets. I think that Jets offense can be significantly better with Wilson in his second year. Offensive line uh, coming back healthy, if not being bulked up even more. I, I, and I love the talent. I really do. With St. Brown, there, there were some amazing weeks toward the end of the year. Everybody knows that. Those weeks came without TJ Hawkinson on the field. Most of those weeks came without DeAndre Swift on the field. And their receivers coach, Antoine Randall-L, everybody remembers that name who's been playing fantasy for a long time. He's already said they, they he wants the Lions to draft two wide receivers and sign another in free agency. So there's going to be some serious target competition for St. Brown. I have a hard time believing he's going to get nine-plus targets per game. Yeah. While I'm on Facebook, guys, it is uh, three friends' birthdays. Should I write on their wall? What do you think? How close are friends are they? None are close. One girl, we went to high school together and college together. I like her. She's very... I, ah, she's a, one of the forerunner girls? No, no, no. No, you didn't take her to South Beach? No, she wasn't in that group. She uh, the one that got away? No. Oh. <laughs> Just a friend. Uh, I, th- I like her. I'm going to write on her wall. I'm going to skip the other two. I don't really... Wow. I don't know if you should do that now. You're like public place saying that you're not going to wish them a happy birthday. All you have to do is write happy birthday. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. They didn't write on my freaking wall. Yeah. So maybe you should consider being friends with them on Facebook. I'm not going to lie. I don't know who one of them is. (laughs) (laughs) I did click on the profile. Uh, Oh, I know who this is. Yeah, they're they're all fine. I'm going to write on her wall. Happy birthday. You are cool. Okay. Let's, it's not a middle school yearbook. Well, I mean, we went to high school together. It is kind of a yearbook. All right, so anyway, uh, let's read some a neat summer. news and notes and then your, <laughs> and your emails. A uh, bunch of reports out there. Mike Florio of Pro Football Focus said the Dolphins were, before the Brian Flores lawsuit, I guess, threw things you know, into chaos, uh, they were trying to trade for Sean Payton and sign Tom Brady. That would have been a lot of fun. Kyler sure. Murray, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kyler Murray, say, I, I, hey, I'm sure the Giants wanted to do that too. Kyler Murray wants to stay with the Cardinals as long as he gets a long-term contract extension. So it looks like fences are being mended there. He's playing definitely there in 2022. We'll see what happens after that. Tampa Bay I'm left guard. Scared for him to play anywhere else. I don't. I, I want him in Arizona. I want him in that offense. Tampa Bay left guard Ali Marpet retired. Surprising. Yeah, that's wild. So their offense probably won't be as good as it was last year. I think the Marpet loss is the biggest one there. Seattle mm. expected to re-sign left tackle Dwayne Brown. San Francisco could keep Jimmy Gar- right, Let's talk about the Niners, Jamie. Schefter saying they could keep Garoppolo, and also uh, Raheem Mostert's agent says he's been in contact with the Niners about a reunion. So let's just bring the band back together. What do you think? 
the Mostert situation would not surprise me at all because, you know, I, I can see a scenario of, you know, he's been good for them when healthy, obviously provides a veteran presence. You know, Trey Sermon did not, you know, fill, fit the bill for them last year and what they were hoping for. Elijah Mitchell was a star, but he missed a lot of time, missed six games. So with Wilson also a free agent, I could see Mostert coming back on a cheap deal. Um, and, you know, being just a pain in the butt for us because he'll get, you know, probably enough work that it'll make things tough on, on Elijah Mitchell. The Garoppolo thing is probably more of a smokescreen to drum up interest. I'd be very surprised if he's back. But again, you know, I mean, this is where we've been hearing uh, throughout the course of the 2021 season. We talked about this last week that one faction wanted to draft a quarterback. One either wanted a different quarterback or not to draft a quarterback at all. And that's the GM and the coach. And so, um, so that question is going to be asked. I will be standing right in front of either Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch. Uh, I forget when they're speaking, either Tuesday or Wednesday at the Combine. But, you know, I'm, I'm certainly interested to hear what they have to say about that because we're all excited to see what Trey Lance could offer. And hopefully he will be the starting quarterback for the 49ers from a fantasy perspective. Dave, it could be Jameis Winston back in New Orleans, according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Uh, many around the league expect the Saints to bring back Jameis Winston. How would you feel about that? Uh, I'd be mildly interested. I mean, we know the receiving core should be better because Michael Thomas should be healthy and, and back and participating. Worried about the left tackle situation there because I think Teron Armstead's going to go. The rest of the offensive line's okay. We're going to find out just how vital Sean Payton was to that offense in New Orleans. And I'm thinking that he was a pretty, pretty big part of the success there, uh, especially when Winston had some of his big games. I'm sure a lot of it was coming up with a game plan that just it, it ended up being perfectly right and Winston paid off. He'll have some boom weeks, but he's not somebody that I plan on targeting in typical one quarterback drafts. Look, I'm going to look him up in super flex drafts for sure. Absolutely going to be on my radar there. But I'm I'm going to take the the second year quarterbacks ahead of him for sure, just on their upside of being, you know, potentially awesome for fantasy. Washington, according to ESPN's John Kime, has not made much progress on a long term deal for right guard Brandon Scherf, so he could be one of the top linemen on the move this off season. And this was interesting. It's just here's some less interesting stuff. Eric Bieniemy is returning as Kansas City's offensive coordinator. Sean McVay is not retiring. That's great. And this more interesting. We'll talk about this one here. Uh, Michael Sean Duggar of The Athletic. Hope I pronounced that right. He's a Seahawks writer. And he wrote a very, I mean, on what used to be Roto World. I don't know what NBC Sports Edge now. Just said, you know, the Athletic beat writer Michael Sean Duggar said that Chris Carson should be Seattle's lead back if healthy. And he did say that. But you should read the whole article if you can. A lot of it is salary based. You know, you, Carson's going to make more money than Penny if they bring back Penny. And a lot of his health base as well. But Penny was so good down the stretch. But he did say that Carson, this is the Seahawks beat writer for the Athletics, should be the lead back. Carson should be the lead back if healthy. Jamie, what do you think? If both Carson and Penny are back, you think we get like a 60-40 split? What do you think it looks like? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised that, that that's the ratio. You know, I mean, we're, we've been hearing, though, uh, basically for the last, you know, two plus years of they want Penny to take the job. They want him to be the guy. You know, I don't know how much of that is because of the investment that they made and they don't want to look stupid. Um, but, you know, talent, I'm sure, matters. And, you know, one guy was a first round pick. One guy was, I think, a seventh round pick or sixth round pick. You know, Carson was a, a you know, late round selection. So I would love to see Penny come back healthy for a full season and be the guy that we saw. Uh, that would be fun. But, you know, don't discount what Chris Carson's been. He's been a very good fantasy running back. He's been good for them. You know, he's showed you he can catch passes. You know, we saw that at the beginning of last season. 
Uh, we saw it times in, in 2019 as well. Uh, but this neck injury is scary. You know, I mean, you know, you've heard some things that it could be, you know, something that's long term and, and, and maybe more significant than they are letting on. So uh, we'll, we'll find out, you know, in the next couple of weeks, what offer they make to Penny. If Penny decides to come back, you know, I think that'll be telling because, like you said, what Chris Carson's salary is right now. Um, but wouldn't be surprising if that's a position that they address because we know Pete Carroll still wants to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball, which gets very frustrating for us. Well, what's not frustrating for us? Are your emails? We appreciate. That. I want to go back to some real quick, just on the Bucks. You know, you, you mentioned that they're going to look different. Um, this is what they're potentially having to replace from last year. If if everybody leaves that are free agents, their quarterback, their top two running backs, arguably the top receiver, but certainly one A, their top two tight ends, their left guard, their center, their right guard, <laughs> one of their defensive ends. Or, I'm sorry, both their defensive ends, uh, one of their outside linebackers. One of their cornerbacks, one of their safeties. That that's what's potentially gone of their start of their that's starting twenty two. Of their starting twenty two, the only ones that are back are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine of their top twenty two guys. If if they all come back, don't worry, don't worry. They've got Blaine Gabbert, <laughs> they've got Scotty Miller. Everything's going to be all right. They returned every starter from their Super Bowl team. <laughs> They had their window to win another one, and uh, they will not They will not return every starter this year. All right, time for your emails. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. This is from Brian. Where's Brian from? Pensacola, Florida. This is the first time that we've been allowing keepers in our league. It's a super flex league. PPR, two running backs, three receivers. I can keep Javante Williams for a fifth rounder, Jalen Waddell in the ninth, or Travis Etienne in the twelfth. So what do you think here? Jalen Waddle in the it's probably not going to be ETN, I'm guessing, but Javante in the fifth, Waddle in the ninth, or ETN in the twelfth, PPR. Waddle. It's it's Waddle unless Javante is clearly the only main back in Denver. And Denver improves on its quarterback situation. This is from Matt. And Matt is from Zizix, California. <laughs> Which round or what round is too early to draft Gabriel Davis in a dynasty startup superflex 12 team full PPR tight end premium league? When, <laughs> round when one is too early. Gabriel Davis go. Round two is too early. Round three is too early. Round four is too early. I think round five is too early, too. Five or six probably makes sense. Well, we just did a joy of six. Su- we did not do a. Okay, we did a super flex startup dynasty mock draft last week or something like that. It was not tight end premium. But let me see where Gabriel Davis went in this draft. I will check on that and get back to you. This is from Shannon. Where's Shannon from, Dave? Shannon is from French Lick, Indiana. I love this question. I think this is tough. Four keeper options. He needs three. It is a two wide receiver, two running back league. It is non-PPR. Pick three, Chase, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Nick Chubb. Who the heck are you throwing back? Jonathan, You got Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Jamar Chase, and Cooper Cup, and you have to throw back one in non-PPR. Chubb. It's either Chubb or Chase, and I think it's better if you, you stick with Chase for the long-term deal. Okay, Gabriel Davis. Round nine. Round nine. 
That's 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 great. Right after Chase Claypool and Brandon Cooks, and just before Kadarius Tony. Who would you rather have, Gabriel Davis or Kadarius Tony? Today it's Davis. Yeah. And last one is from Jacob. Nobody wants to tell us where they're from anymore, Dave. Where's Jacob from? Jacob is from Vancouver. That's in Canada. Canada, yeah. Full PPR, 10-team Superflex League. Should I trade Deontay Johnson and pick 107, 1.7, for Jalen Waddell and a 2023 third-round rookie pick? So give up Deontay Johnson and the seventh pick of the draft, rookie draft, for Jalen Waddell and a 2023 third-round pick. Now, he also has pick 1.2 this year, so he still has a first-rounder. I'm going to keep Johnson in the rookie pick. I love Waddle. Love his potential. I'm assuming it full PPR in a 10-team league. Look, Deontay Johnson, I think, can still have some really good value in a PPR league. So you're you're giving up on him, and you're giving up on what should be a pretty good rookie at 107. I'd like to see what the Steelers quarterback situation is first. So if he can wait, I would wait. Okay, if he can't wait, the deadline is tomorrow. I would hold. It's not a leap year, is it? No. No. Right. Tomorrow's March. Tomorrow's March. That's great. Hey, fun show, Dave. Thanks for coming on. It was my pleasure, guys. Always happy to hang the out. The utility backup guy. Good stuff. Jamie, thank you as always. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I will write on your wall for your birthday. Pretty confident in that. And thanks to everybody for watching and listening. We're back tomorrow to talk about the rookie tight ends, which is, you know, Basically just one guy. But we'll talk about the rookie tight ends. (laughs) There's two guys. Hey, I don't think you've ever written on my wall on Facebook, birthday or not. Jerk. I'm going to go right on your wall right now. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Make that happen. Um, Make it good so I can post it on Dave, how is Michigan State, by the way? Uh, Cold. It (laughs) was cold. But some incredible experiences. Uh, Mad props to Sam Sklar who uh, covers the Spartans football team and hockey team for their student newspaper. He was awesome. Spent a lot of time with us on his 21st birthday, no less. There might be a story about this coming out in a future read for (laughs) a beverage that we uh, promote. How did it go for your son, though? Does he like it? Uh, I think I think he likes it. I'm not sure if he's going to stay with it. All right. right. Well, good. I hope it was a good experience. Uh, Looking at colleges must be fun. All right, we'll talk to you all tomorrow (laughs) on the Kyle Pitts show. Thinking about getting a second job. (laughs) Yeah, as long as I'm not paying for it, I'm sure looking would be very fun. Right. See you later, everybody. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.